Buongiorno. This is Tim, everybody. Uh, in this interview with Ron Pastore, um, we have a fun little thing we do at the beginning where we <laughs> introduce him but don't say his name. Um, that was an inside joke that hopefully you'll catch. And also, uh, the interview was amazing. Ron Pastore was incredibly interesting. Uh, we talk about some really insider stuff about his treasure hunting and then it gets into some pretty interesting conspiracy theories of his um, and stuff he's researched. So please stick around for the end of that and enjoy it. Also, towards the beginning, uh, they stopped recording, and you'll hear that. And but we decided to keep it in because we want to keep it raw. Um, God, that was dumb. All right, enjoy the podcast. It's in a. Okay. song it's all about wombat <laughs> just kidding the intro song is about combats or uh, porches full of wombats combats full of wombats and wombats full of combats and combat boots that's what your mother wears Welcome to the Whatever Whatever Podcast, the Men's Scrapbooking Club Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land, Mr. Brent Duncan. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Brent? Pretty good. We just shared a microphone on that. It was uh, more than I can handle. Uh, then backing us up on the cello is Jarrett Young. How's it going? How are you doing? Pretty good. Nice to see everyone tonight. Oh, you weren't asking me. You were asking the audience. Uh, No, but all kidding aside, we do have a really special guest with us, uh, a gentleman who is willing to lend his time for what I imagine will be a wonderful interview. He is the author of Jesse James's Secret, Codes, Cover-Ups, and Hidden Treasure, and also the creator of Jesse James' Hidden Treasure, uh, which you can see still on the History Channel. Uh, it's one of the most uh, aired documentaries on the History Channel. And he is sitting here with us right now. Hey, guys. How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? Good to see you. Yeah. God, I good. just wanted to sing along with that intro song. Oh, you should have. I wish I knew the words. Wait, do you want to <laughs> do it again? Yeah, do you want to make a message as you go? Let's right? do a little bit real fast. <laughs> okay. Let's see, we Ron, <laughs> sing along if you'd like. This is the intro song. It's a little bit faster than the first time. Only because I'm singing that it is faster. Oh, you're I'm my controlling the tempo. What'd you say? <laughs> you throw my tempo way off. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, take it away, Ron. Oh, well, we're singing about combats and wombats. <laughs> and combats and wombats. Wombats and combats. Get you some. Take it down to the store. Sell it there. Pick it up. Put it down. Throw it around. Wombats and combats. All right. That's enough of that. All right. Thanks for the replay, guys. All right, let's talk about something. Let's talk about something real now. <laughs> okay, this is real. So, um, so tell us a little bit about uh, wombats and combats. Never met one. <laughs> it's in Australia, isn't it? A wombat. Um, yeah, is that that's a marsupial, right? I think so. Yep. Uh, that means. Draw. Does that mean it, that it has a, a baby pouch? Has a pouch. Yeah. Nice. That's what it means, Tim. Is um, quick question and. 
seriously, we'll get to talking about something serious, but no, please don't. Do does anyone know in the room is the pouch of a marsupial wet or dry inside? <laughs> I, I want to say dry. I don't have any firsthand experience. <laughs> I think it starts out wet, but it dries up. Yeah. Okay. Don't you get your butt kicked if you stick your hand in there? <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, There's possums running around. They're marsupials. Are they? You can go grab one. Yeah. Oh, man. We should have checked that one. Did, but So possums have pouches? I, no. They're marsupials. Well, they know that, but I don't think they got pouch. The kids ride on the mama's back or something. Oh. <laughs> but they definitely have teeth. Yeah. Well, um, Vicious hmm. teeth. I wonder what a possum would do to you if you tried to find out if they had a pouch. Uh, it probably it might like it. I don't know. <laughs> it would well, probably just play dead. They oh, tend good to, point. Yeah. Good point. We actually, uh, the, we witnessed a baby possum walking in the backyard the other day, and we decided to play with it. <laughs> <laughs> so we picked it up, and it immediately started playing dead, except for if you grabbed its tail, it would hang from your finger. Uh, but we got That's a great, really cool. we got a really great cool. picture of Brent holding it up to his <laughs> cheek, doing this lovey-dovey face. It was... Uh, it just screamed disease. <laughs> <laughs> and then Corey came over later, and it was funny because we cut the bottom of a beer box out, set the possum on the table, and put the beer box on top of it, and Corey showed up, and Brent and I were doing this dummy conversation like like we'd been talking all night, and uh, Corey shows up, and I was like, hey, hey, what's up, Corey? Hey, you want a beer? You can grab a beer there. And he was like, uh, he like saw that the beer box was a little a kilter. And so he was like going to make a joke and he picked the beer box up to put it over his head and he glances down and sees that <laughs> possum there and freaks out. <laughs> He's like, what? What? Fuck. I think it was exactly what he said. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, Ron Pastore sitting here with us. Um, Let's talk about Jesse James, if we will. God, I was enjoying the possum love so much. <laughs> okay, let's talk about possums. Uh, so they look really hideous, but I'm sure they're like very soft and warm on the inside. They have well, a kind of a skull face. Have you seen a possum coat? They're really soft and warm. Whoa! <laughs> Never seen a possum coat. Yeah. My question about the possum coat is: it wet or dry? <laughs> well, it comes with pockets. Is all I could tell you. Okay, <laughs> that's good. It does have pockets. That proves it. Optional. <laughs> uh, wet pockets. I hope. I saw. Yeah. I saw a possum in uh, in San Francisco, like in the city. You know, there was one in this garden, and the people there were just like just enamored by it, and they would just stare at it and say how beautiful it was, and. It was really? just like, and it's so weird, you know, coming from the from the Midwest, you know, where every time you see a possum, you get out your shotgun and it's blow its head off. A large rodent. Yeah. Or, yeah, or, or like try to hit it on the highway when you're right, driving down the were dirt these, road. Uh, were these tribal San Franciscans? Well, they were commune dwellers. Yeah. In, but were they Aboriginal <laughs> San Franciscans? <laughs> Thank God they're vegan. They probably would have tried to eat it. They're, yeah, they're vegan. But. They they just loved it. They thought it was so beautiful, and they didn't want to was disturb it, the first it or anything. Time they'd ever seen one. It, yeah, it was very uncommon. Yeah, I don't know if it was the first time. Uh, looks like we have a a guest. I think the pizza's here. <laughs> hey, what's up, Ming? What's up? We're uh, recording a Ming podcast. Join the room. Yeah, Ming. If you have anything to throw in about possums or whatnot, <laughs> whatnot. Uh, I suppose you can sit here. I'll sit over here. 
Okay. Okay, so pizza delivery's cool. Hell yeah. <laughs> Except there's no pizza. I don't so see any pizza. Disappointed, guys. Oh, Get out of here, Ming. Ming. You didn't bring pizza. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, oh great. <laughs> <laughs> you should have... I, I wish you could have seen me last night. I was over here at Jared's house, and I had a lot to drink, and some to uh, uh, other things. And... I was on the porch and we were having a discussion. Jarrett says that I have these like really deep spiritual, meaningful conversations when I'm absolutely blitzkrieged and I don't remember anything. Thank you. And so that was the case. We were having this like really deep, wonderful conversation, and uh, apparently I tried to lean against something that wasn't there and ate <laughs> shit on the <laughs> fucking fell right off the porch, man. Oh, man. The, the metaphysical only... pillar didn't hold you <laughs> up. <huh? laughs> wait, wait, during this conversation, did, uh, did the fall precede you saying, um, hey, Jarrett, let's do a trust exercise? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, sorry, that was a terrible joke. And I just totally ignored him. And then he just... And then he just face planted on he's the like, ground. I feel like we're connecting on a spiritual level. Let's do a trust exercise. Like, well, no, he was just, he was like, I know there's a wall there. He was like, he, he had that much control of the universe, you know, at that point. That he- story. What is your background and what brought you to the current line of work? Uh, it was written on here. That, that sounded so like a scripted question. Something happened and we stopped recording. I don't think it was on. What? We stopped recording? Just for a little bit. <laughs> what? Was it more than 15 minutes? No, <laughs> no. Are we recording like, now? Yeah, cause it's just when when uh, Ming walked through, he pressed the space button on like, Because uh, <laughs> the, the, the keyboard was on the floor. Are we recording <laughs> now? <laughs> Yeah, we're recording. Okay. That's uh, just a tip-off to the professional setup that we're working with here. <laughs> the keyboard is on the floor, and the space bar got stepped on. Yeah. Uh, we're sorry. I want to apologize um, to all the listeners out there. Who? Yeah. Hey, Brent, can you recreate that uh, that stocky segue? Brent, I don't know anything about Ron Pastore. What is your background, and what brought you to your current line of work? Well, <laughs> is that my cue? Yeah. That's my cue. <laughs> Although it didn't sound like much of one. Yes, that was it. Cool. All right. Uh, well, how did I come to my current line of work, huh? Yeah, what brought what got you interested in Jesse James? Oh, okay. Well, the Jesse James thing, that's a whole different story. Um, you know, I uh, I was running a private ranch out in El Dorado, in the area there, Butler County, and it had the world's or the largest walk-in natural cave in Kansas. Not the world's largest. <laughs> um, that's cool. At any rate, a guy stopped by one day and he says, uh, you got any JJ initials in that cave? You know, signs that Jesse James was here. And I said, oh, yeah. There was a couple right inside the entrance. And about 12 feet up inside the cave, there's a block letter set of J's. And so he's standing there looking at it and, you know, kind of mouthing something and uh, trying to get a clue what he's talking about or, you know, who he's talking to. <laughs> and uh, so uh, when we get back outside of the cave, you know, he starts sharing the story with me about a family from southeast Kansas and that they had a dead relative that um, may have actually been Jesse James, their great-great-granddad. And um, But this man lived to be 88 years old, and legend says that Jesse was assassinated by one of his gang members in St. Joe, Missouri in 1882 when he was about 35. So, you know, in order to 
believe the story at all, you got to be open to a whole different version of history. So, you know, a couple of years went by, and I was doing a documentary about Native American burial mounds, and um, the crew was in town for about eight days, and we had a bunch of archaeologists, uh, you know, uh, grad students from uh, Penn State, and so we'd sit around over supper at night and tell stories, and I told this one about Jesse James, and it kind of ends with the fact that I didn't do anything about it. Well, the producer encouraged me to look into the story and write an outline and uh, <clears throat> present it to this other fellow. So I did, and uh, in my meeting with this family, the, the research showed that there might actually be some validity to their claims. They had all these heirlooms and artifacts, documents, you know, all these photographs and original <coughs> you know, pieces from the James family. And they don't exist anywhere else in history. They're not in a museum. They're missing. So why not? So um, with that, you know, I thought, oh, well, there was a documentary in 1995 where this Professor James Stars said that uh, he allegedly exhumed the body of Jesse James and they took DNA and they proved it was really him to a 99.97% certainty. And um, so, you know, after meeting the family and looking at the evidence, I said, well, you know, I'll take on this investigation, but first I'll have to disprove the previous information. So I started looking into the 95 documentary and found that it was just full of holes. It was fluffy words and double speak and, you know, just there was no real science done. So I started contacting the professors that were involved in that study and uh, uh, find out where the peer-reviewed evidence was and who filed the academic papers and all that. And so finally one of them gave me a clue and I found this paper and when I read the evidence of the exhumation and the DNA testing, the final paragraph said that it wasn't proved that it was Jesse James. So really? They lied on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, you can get on History Channel and say anything you want, but you know, when you file your academic papers, you damn well better not be lying. <laughs> uh, now, uh, on your History Channel show, do you mention the previous documentary that was on the History Channel? Sure, sure. Okay. They were really great about letting us say almost anything we wanted on there. You know, uh, I mean, I said almost because it was a two-hour show, but we shot 128 hours of videotapes, so a lot of it didn't get on the yeah. air. You yeah. know, so. Um, so this wasn't a, It's not a series. It's a one-off. Um, you know, since it's still on the air today and they're still selling commercials, uh, yeah. I'm sure they got uh, you know, no motivation to do another show until the viewership drops off. Yeah, uh, okay. The person that made that first documentary, uh, was he funded by, uh, I mean, did where, do you know, have any idea who funded him? Well, or? I wonder what his motivation was for lying. You know, yeah. why would you well, do that? It was that? a cover. Yeah. It seems like it was a cover because sure. he knew that there was treasure out there. And if everybody knew there was treasure out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and this guy, he's a uh, professor of law from George Washington University, and he's got a reputation for being called a bone hunter and a celebrity bone hunter sort of thing. So he's out there to make a name for himself in that regard. Mm. Um, you know, I just proved the study was wrong. That was the main thing, mm -hmm. and, yeah. uh, you know, there was no evidence. You know. Then comes along 2003, I got this collection of heirlooms together and put it in a museum down in Delano, so that we could attract the attention I remember that of museum. producers, right? Yeah. And we got Bill Curtis to come in and look at the stuff. And here's the guy that did uh, the men who shot JFK, the most you know telling expose on the JFK assassination. I thought, well, wow. he's the one that's going to get the truth out about Jesse James finally. And like you say, there's a big resistance to the truth in this whole story. I mean, nobody really wants it out there. Yeah. 
So uh, Bill Curtis came in, looked at the evidence, and said, well, by God, you've got a great story here. And um, we got some funding from the History Channel. We did a one-hour show. We exhumed the body in the Odisha, did the DNA testing. And then he puts up this bullshit premise. You know, when we tried to match the DNA, he matched it against the 95 study, which we're saying is flawed. So it was totally uh, no logic in the argument at all. And then if it had matched, what's that prove? We got two of the same Jesse James. <laughs> you took up one in 95 and another one in 2003, a couple of hundred miles away. No, that wouldn't work. So there was just no logical resolution to the premise that they put forth in the show in the, the first place. So, you know, uh, it, it, the, the final cut was just awful. And I told Bill, I said, you're going to embarrass yourself as a producer for putting this out. You know, you need to at least come out neutral if you're not going to put my evidence on the air. And I found out later that one of the professors of these eight that was in the previous study, uh, last name Finnegan, and the program development guy at History's Channel name was Finnegan. Mm. Hmm. And I thought, well, nepotism, maybe, brothers possibly, you know, covering your ass, definitely. Hmm. I uh, just have a quick curiosity. Um, what is it like digging up a really old dead body? Um, you know, it's like any archaeology. It's slow and dirty and painstaking. And Is it just bones? Just dry bones and um, a few artifacts, remnants of the coffin. Mm-hmm. Did and you um, sneak a, a piece in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> what, desecrate the remains of Jesse James? Keep in mind, this will be on the internet. Forever. Which nobody's, nobody f- f- listens to the internet. Yeah. So it was really cool. You know, we... we had a great plan i got with all the authorities that you know had some say over whether or not we could dig up a dead body and um we put it all together i got 20 man security detail and we camped out at the graveyard for three days solid had grave robbers coming in at night trying to steal some jesse james bones and stuff. really and yeah yeah so it's worth having all that security there yeah they knew what you were doing well the word got out even though we kept it secret um you know, there's 60 relatives of that old man just down there in that region, the mm-hmm. Odisha, Kansas. And then, you know, the the newspaper did a story like on the last day before it started. And uh, the county authority allowed us to seal the roads off, you know, like a half a mile or three quarters of a mile away. So they had to walk in. Hmm. We had one car actually drive through the wheat field, you know, just to get closer. Wow. <laughs> of course, you know, my team, we all drive these unmarked police cars and stuff, you know, it, intercepted the guys and pulled them off and checked them out hmm. so in in all your investigations of the jesse james story um as well as uh the treasure hunting that you've done have you ever found yourself in other precarious situations like dangerous sure uh like caves falling in on you or uh-huh thugs falling in on you (laughs) (laughs) god just about all the above no the caves don't really fall in but uh there are predators that live in them uh in kansas you might have cougars or bobcat even something you know benign like a possum (laughs) you know you don't want to get it cornered because they don't always go to sleep on you they'll Um, they'll throw their wet sacks on you (laughs) (laughs) there was a great scene uh during the filming of the hidden treasure show um something was in the cave we could see the eyes it was so far back there you really couldn't get in all the way nor would you want to get cornered in the cave you know with some critter in there that you didn't know what it was and it was really foul smell too so we figured it had hauled something dead in there um so we made a plan we smoke bombed the cave and 
cameras were rolling and we're just waiting for this cougar or bobcat or something to come roaring out of there to get out of the smoke and nothing happened and you know we're just all kind of sucking and jiving around outside the cave entrance now it's like what the hell do we do now and then all of a sudden one of the PAs screams and she's just horrified and we all turn around my guys got their guns trained on this thing and it's like a a vulture with a six-foot wingspan comes hopping out of the cave and takes to the air through this smoke and stuff (laughs) really amazing picture you know (laughs) did they get it on video then yeah it was all on video cut from the show but you know it was a great event it's just one example um you know i've come in there during the winter time and there'll be a fresh bed of you know four to six inches of snow and we see mountain lion tracks running around the area and um then it's chasing deer tracks and mm-hmm. and the the paws get spread out wider as it goes in for the clutch you know oh, yeah you and, can see uh, the whole thing so we do a real stealthy slow walk into the cave when that's happening and you can find a cougar sleeping right in the entrance there you know and i did one day it was just amazing sight big i don't know 250 pound did you wake it up Oh, no. <laughs> My buddy had me flanked for cover, and he saw me run away like a girl. <laughs> I think I would have tickled it in the nose with a feather. No, probably it, not. That's interesting. Um, as far as, like, mountain lions, that's cougar, same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, as far as my, mountain lions in Kansas, the I think some government body in Kansas claims there are no mountain lions Continually. in Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Until they have a dead body to deal with. Yeah, right. When gets hit by a train, it's like, oh, no, that one wandered in from Colorado. Right. <laughs> I thought there was something in the newspaper saying that they started releasing some mountain lions in Kansas to deal with coyote populations. They had been releasing them in Kansas. Or no, no, deer with. deer populations yeah, because deer is getting too right. populated and then people mm-hmm. are hitting them with their cars. and Yeah. And, you know, back in the 90s, the governor used to go for a cougar hunt down on the Banks Ranch south of El Dorado when they didn't exist in Kansas. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it was an annual event. <laughs> Probably like snipe hunting. So is it just fear that causes them to say that then? Yeah. They just don't want to freak people out? Yeah, cougars are in a different category. They're not like the large uh, tigers and lions. Uh, they're in a in-between category where they're a little bit more passive. Um they're curious. They'll come around and check things out. Uh, in the area where I live in Butler County, I'll find fresh cougar track around the house every once in a while. And they'll work a 10-mile by 10-mile area, so 100 square miles is their roaming territory generally, and they'll find a den to sleep in, and that where they, they have a breeding pair going on. They'll have cubs. And so, yeah, there are a lot of cougars in Kansas, actually. We... Uh, uh, a couple shows back for the men's scrapbooking club, we were out um, posting up flyers, and uh, I was going around with uh, Andy Mack, one of the original members of the men's scrapbooking club, and we went to uh, Maggie's Scotch and Soda, and we got trapped by a couple of cougars there. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go so bad, and Andy was like, "Hang on a second, let's hey, let's hang on a second, because they kept touching his chest and." <laughs> Yeah, were they, like, were they licking him like big cats do? Uh, yeah, they were spraying this stink on him, and yeah, there are a lot of cougars in Kansas. Uh-huh. <laughs> Luckily, he had his gun on him though, right? Ah, uh, no, he was defenseless. <laughs> he was, totally he was defenseless. melting, and and he's gonna listen to this too, and he'll he's probably cracking up when he hears this. So, um, I'd like to revisit uh, Jesse James. Again. So, um. 
let's uh i, I kind of want like uh maybe to explain not myself you ron uh, obviously explain um how jesse james faked his death and why it was important to okay. do that sure easy one <laughs> um you know they tried to pull it off a year earlier where one of the gang members alleged that he shot Jesse during an argument at the Ford's house. What year was this? Uh, that would have been 1881. What's the Ford's house? Uh, Bob and Charlie Ford are the alleged assassins of Jesse James mm-hmm. in 1882. How tall is Charlie Charlie Ford? <laughs> I don't know. Ask <laughs> I like we're doing a rapid fire <laughs> question. <today. laughs> uh, Red Pitt would. Know. What's your favorite Ford? <laughs> Fiesta. <laughs> Ford Fiesta. That's my favorite. Sorry, continue. So, uh, you know, about some six, seven months after this, you know, ruse, uh, Jesse was seen in public and it kind of got out that, okay, so you're not dead after all. Hmm. Uh, and they allegedly shot him in the head that time, too. So, uh, you know, they set out to perpetrate the, the second ruse and they did a lot more planning. There's a book by uh, J. Frank Dalton. And uh, he was the cousin of Jesse James. And he alleged that he brought 52 men to St. Joe, Missouri that weekend of April 1st and um, set up this plot you know, to, to uh, assassinate their cousin behind his home in the stables the night before and then lay that body out the next day. And um, the sheriff was in on it, and the sheriff deputized the James gang members, and the governor was in on yeah. it. The James gang had paid the governor like $30,000 as a campaign donation, and the election was the day after the killing. And it was just so much that uh, seemed like it was a ruse to me. And I, I wondered how popular history could have missed it, you know, without you know, just going for the outright conspiracy theory, which I love those, you know. Um, everybody, ooh, he's a conspiracy theory nut. Well, yeah. I did a two-hour show about it, for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... And, you know, frankly, there's a lot more going on around us all the time. It's, that, it's too bad that people that people shy away from that conspiracy theory, that they don't, like, try to seek out truth for themselves, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they just they just rely on whatever the media tells them. Or and, and, you know, we're living in an age where the media has stooped to name-calling and, and whatever, you know, just yeah. to get the party line down. I feel like I live in a communist Soviet Union or something like that now. It's nowadays. really an immature. I mean, I grew up in Berlin, Germany, and we had Maybe. East Berlin, and we'd listen to their propaganda, and then the evening news would come on in West Berlin, and it'd tell you what all the propaganda was about. So I got <laughs> hip to that, and you know, as a kid. But in the U.S., you know, you got to go to the internet to get some truth nowadays, yeah. or watch Russia Today or Al Jazeera for Christ's sake. I mean, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? We so, have to watch. That's pretty funny. The, the Middle East <laughs> television to get truth. Yeah. Really? Yeah, or, or the Russian television. Uh-huh. We have to watch that to yeah. get truth because we're being lied to. It, it just, you know, and I, I got hip to that. Just you watch the news and you could flip any channel and it's like almost all their lips are moving saying the same stories yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And then they all flip the Viagra commercials at the same time. <laughs> That's why I don't own a television. It's retarded. It's just all... You know, it's wag the dog nowadays. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, how else could a guy like Obama get elected? You know, a guy with no past, he's totally invisible. Any records they have of him are sealed. And yet in four years, they got this media meteoric rise to the, sainthood. Like, yeah, and, and the whole U.S., they... They, they, they bought it. Yeah, they, like, they had them. so much control of the media that in a short amount of time, they got all these people to think this, 
to develop this image of this yeah. person. It was know? a mass hysteria, hypnosis. And, and race had a lot to do with it, too. Sure. I mean, the fact that, that was like half, that's probably like 50% of it. Well, as, as far as... <laughs> what do you mean, his race? He's half black? <laughs> no, 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 no. That was no, the 50%. Like, <laughs> it was the race car, and they knew oh, they were going to get you know, sure. minorities to vote for, the, for this person. No matter and everybody was hysterical. Oh, my God. You know, and I even remember <clears> a, a news conference where Obama came out and said, uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, I wasn't born in a manger or something. Like, what kind of <laughs> egomaniac is that? <laughs> Uh, I'm Superman instead. That's his quote. <laughs> Not to change the subject. I, I'd actually like to uh, oh, stick. I have one more question about this. Yes, yes, yes. Um, as far as conspiracy theories go, yeah. uh, I've heard that Obama was Osama bin Laden. Oh, that's so crazy. I saw the video <laughs> on that. You know, uh, but I mean, you know, how could you even go anywhere with that? <laughs> the eyes are similar. Yeah. And, you know, the, there might be a whole bloodline conspiracy that you might be able to prove because you know people are saying how the bush family are really like related to the queen of england and it's all about yeah. the illuminati and the power of bloodlines and the reptilians and all this interesting stuff you know and and so the bin ladens are in bed with the bush family you know one-on-one -on -one, and maybe there is some family relationship there who knows i mean the bushes go back to uh, nazi germany where right. their dad prescott bush was funding hitler to get this national socialist party going and they're all zionists from way back you know and if people don't understand that you know that there's the jewish faith and then there's the political zionists and they backed adolf hitler to get his national socialist party you know and look at where we are today after World War II ended, and the Nazis had all this money and power, and they didn't want to just say, oop, we lost, you know, screw us. They made a deal with uh, our intelligence community and the British intelligence, and 30,000 of them immigrated into the United States and brought all that sweet money with them, you know? So hence the growth of the military-industrial complex and what grew into the police state we have today. No wonder we have this Nazi empire. I used to look at Israel and say, well, they sure learned their lesson from the Nazis. They really kick ass nowadays, you know, and and they became them. <laughs> well, it's the Zionists that infiltrated the Likud party. And, you know, I mean, you get down to 9-11 conspiracies and the fact that there's a Zionist and CIA footprint all over that. You know, I mean, watch some YouTube and it'll just curl your hair. I mean, but they can't all be wrong. There has to be a shred of truth to it. Right. <clears throat> yeah. It's like there's got to be something compelling these people to speak. You know, I mean, it's just not publicity yeah. that they're and trying to go and for. And the media won't money. even turn a stone one to, to look yeah. into it. You know, I was listening to NPR the other day, and it it was a it might have been Science Friday, and somebody called in and they were mentioning uh, the 9/11 conspiracy. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, Ira Flato was like, it was proved that terrorists. Did it? Yeah, that Osama bin Laden did it. Yeah, with box really? Wow, man! With box cutters. Yeah, <laughs> he's just completely dismissive. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, turn the guy off air. Like, hung up the phone. Sure. Yeah. By the way, that was a pretty solid Ira Flato. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> it? If, if, if Ira Flato had a slight Southern accent, you would have nailed it. <laughs> I used to love NPR, you know, but it's National Socialist Radio now, you know. Like, and that's where we're going. It's all this socialist, Marxist, you know, overthrow, infiltration. I call it the socialist occupational dictatorship in America, you know. The sod? Yeah, it is, actually, you know. It is. It sucks really bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think we're lucky to have um, a populist tool like the Internet. 
Like yeah, that, definitely. As long as that is uncensored, as long yeah, as they don't yeah. take over that. Well, I think there's a as soon as they bill. Do that. There's a bill right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, you can count on it just getting more and more oppressive. You know, yeah. there was something on recently about how CIA monitors Facebook, and it probably is the architect of Facebook provided all the funding, you know, and created another glory boy in Zuckerberg there. So, um, you know, I went to watch the video today. It's gone. You know, it's like, oh, no, can't be talking about the CIA in America. They don't exist. (laughs) (laughs) But I had another interesting quote was as far back as the 60s and 70s, CIA would spend 50 percent of its annual budget on controlling and censoring the U.S. media. And it was forty billion back then, so they spent twenty billion. They could own the media back then, and probably do now. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it's like this out of control organization that in, everyone's afraid to do anything about. Congress won't investigate. Help! Congress is castrated. They don't do anything nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, all these bills that come through, they should have an auto pin. Because nobody <laughs> reads the shit anyway. You well, know? and also they make it like 150 pages yeah. long and put so much bullshit in oh, it that they can't 1500 even... 1,500 pages long. Yeah. Like the healthcare bill is 3,000 pages. So Jesus who's going to read Christ. that shit? Yeah, how can you possibly understand everything that's in that? Yeah, and, and Reagan said, you know, the first step to communism is uh, uh, a national healthcare plan. You know, so, I mean, there it was. Nobody read it. It got passed. You know, it's been turned down twice by the Supreme Court. They're going to hear it a third time now. You know, it's like, uh, they're going to shove this up our... <laughs> one way or another, we're going to have national health Our wet pouch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, uh, it's just so, so out of control. All of yeah, it now, all yeah. this... Um, I just have to step in for a moment and say to our podcast audience... Uh, you know, download this podcast and listen to it before it's censored <laughs> off the internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't like it. One of us is going to have a car accident yeah. or something, should right? We, yeah. Should we go around the room and do a quick will and testament per person? <laughs> Jerry, you can have all my stuff. <laughs> you can have uh, Brent, you can have Brent's new kitten that's laying next to him that just showed up in his garage. I think it's been a uh, gassy every once in a while. I get a serious. Odor from <laughs> a nice whiff of yeah toot. It might be the food that's that it's diet. It yeah, have something to do I haven't with. really fed It'll it. Be next podcast theme song, Gassy Cat. Gassy Cat. <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be the great idea. I'm telling you, you should just plug the cat in with yeah. the eighth inch jack. <laughs> well, I'm I'm pretty sure this cable will fit. All right, let's wait till we're off the air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for Peta's knocking on our doors. <laughs> So that's uh, that's why Jesse James faked his death. <laughs> <laughs> it was a conspiracy by God, and I proved it. Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we want to do want to hit that again, or like hit what again? Just about maybe highlight the the different f- facts about Jesse James, and because we had all that talking, you know, afterwards. Mm-hmm. No, Jared, it was shut much up. more fun this way though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They can read the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> no, seriously. Um, you know, you look at the the history, and it's it's uh, it's still out there. You know, in the archives and photographs, and you know, just great material that I was able to uncover. And that's the topic of my next book, which is out now in ebook form, at jessejamesforensics.com. and it's 128 pages of the review of the forensic evidence in this case. So that we'll lay it out in front of you. You just review it all, 
and see, and I use the criteria of evidence. This is actually peer-reviewed because I presented at the American Academy of Forensic Science in 2004. I was a guest speaker, and the professor who did the 95 study that I discredited was on this, this chair of this committee who was picking speakers, so I think I was expected to fall on my face. So I had a couple of hundred forensic scientists in the audience, and I get introduced as the keynote speaker for the final day of the uh, symposium, and so I presented a criteria of evidence for solving a cold case murder investigation. And then I tested the Jesse James case against that criteria. So we're gonna look at historical documents, forensic evidence, fingerprints, handwriting analysis, facial recognition software, DNA, and all of these criteria that I'd put up. And then I examined the Jesse James evidence that I was able to uncover against this criteria. And when I got done, the audience was thoroughly convinced that we had found that Jesse James faked his death who the other guy was that was murdered in his place, and the motive means an opportunity of how it occurred. So I was trying to give the forensics labs a dynamic, a protocol to follow to standardize the homicide investigation divisions across America, because there was no standard. Everybody had a different way of solving a case. And about two years later, Forensic Science Academy announces, hey, we're gonna help set up a standardized protocol for forensics investigations nationally. So I feel like I was able to make a contribution in that regard as well. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, what, uh, what name did Jesse James use after he faked his own death? Well, you just need to look at the guy that was killed and realize that he was Jesse M. James and Jesse Woodson James, the real Jesse James, took his name. So he became J.M. James, or he took the name Jeremiah and split it, and he became J-E-R-E-M-I-A-H, Jeremiah. Hmm. So he went by J.M. James for the next 50-some years. Huh. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> and he was the first cousin of Jesse James, so he never had to conceal the fact that he was related to the outlaw. Right. People just didn't realize that it was him. <coughs> and so the whole point wow. of him faking his death is so that he could get the authorities off his back? Well, um, you know, I think there's more to the story that maybe Jesse James wasn't really the outlaw, that it was the other two cousins, this J. Frank Dalton and J.M. Uh, Jesse Mason James, the victim, mm. that were robbing banks. I was able to find two uh, photographic uh, collections of the different James gangs, and there's two James gangs. And one of them is the short, stocky guy with the burly, thick beard. And the other one's a taller, thin, you know, more dashing fellow. And Jesse Woodson James, the notorious guy that got stuck with the reputation of being Jesse James, doesn't have any gang pictures. <laughs> and so I think he got stuck with the, the handle of being the outlaw, and it was a great cover. And throughout history, there may have been as many as 20 bank robbers and stagecoach robbers that used the name Jesse James. Wow. But the real Jesse James wasn't. And a real clue comes from a badge that was in the family collection from these folks in the Odisha. It's a special police agent number 1000. So when I failed to uncover any criminal records on Jesse James, just for the heck of it, I asked this one law enforcement division, well, what do you have for employment records? Because we have this badge here for this guy, number 1000. So they did a search, and I got a letter three weeks later that Jesse W. James was employed by the Kansas City Police Department wow. until 1921. Hmm. So That's crazy. If he was undercover, you know, hiding his identity, they wouldn't have used Jesse W. James. 
So it showed they knew who they had on staff there. What do you suppose uh, he was doing in 1921 before he died? Well, gosh, I, you know, I'm not really that familiar with history. I know that he had a chain of livery stables through the 1800s, uh, 13 of them. And uh, at these livery stables, he hired and employed as many as 50 men. There were welders and boilermakers and carpenters. So it seemed like they were making trains instead of shoeing horses. Mm-hmm. And they were all along train routes. And so I think this had something to do with burying the treasurers in, in that part of his history, where he was in charge of this vast fortune of Confederate treasure at the end of the Civil War. Jefferson Davis wasn't going to turn his money back over to the cool. North, so he had five trains loaded up with all the Confederate treasure. It was about $7 billion back then, and headed it out across the country to bury it. And the last train was intercepted by Union soldiers, and they, uh, you know, the train and held it and suddenly 25 masked men rode in and overtook the union soldiers and stole the train back so all five of them got away in today's value a 20 a one ounce 20 dollar gold coin is worth close to two thousand dollars and just the fact that it's a double eagle makes it worth about 2500 so the seven billion dollars would be somewhere in the trillion dollar range wow So this is all (coughs) money that the South planned on employing to overtake the North again. Yep, the South shall rise again, right? And since that wasn't such an easy do, they infiltrated the government instead. And before you know it, they've got the KGC members, um, Templar Knights, Oddfellows, you know, all these fraternal groups, Masons, that have taken over every office in almost every county government across the United States. And when you drive across rural America, you see all these quaint little limestone Masonic lodges, you know, where they'd all meet and have their little power sessions and stuff. And so it was a really well-orchestrated, well-organized group. Mm. And it, I believe, exists today in some form. Yeah, it still does. They're trying to get more members. (laughs) They're trying to overcome the stigmatism that they've become. Uh I have a stigmatism. (laughs) (laughs) Jarrett, you sound like you've uh, somebody's tried to recruit you for this well yeah I mean there was I just I have a friend that uh, her husband is a mason you know and he was like yeah she wanted him to see if they would like uh, fund my book binding you know or help me out a little bit or something like that you know and he was like well if you figure out a way to help us get members then you can get you'll get a lot of money give to get right (laughs) (laughs) so did you then run out and start recruiting no i i told him the only way you're going to get new members is to overcome this this idea that everybody has about you you know or this this image and i'm sure at the lower levels it's a really benevolent organization yeah yeah they have the shriners and the burn hospitals and all this great stuff Mm -hmm. but as with anything the higher you get and the more power you have the less benevolent it becomes. Yeah, they and all the smaller locations pay dues to mm-hmm. the main temple. Yep. It's a big union, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of a church. <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> Only I, I understand they worship Baal or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's what it's called. It's a it's a ball or something that. And it's I a went, ball. I, I mean, I'm I'm actually a third degree Mason. 
I I went through the all three degrees at Vester G Brown Lodge uh-huh. here in Wichita, and just because <laughs> this it, is true. you know it was like interested in it, you know. Did they make you do some kicky stuff? I'm like, have to kiss the anus of a cat or no. something. Because <laughs> no. boy, do we have a surprise for you. <laughs> I mean, it's there's a show that they put on, you know, and the it's like the um the they have different moves that that like are different hand signs, you know, uh-huh. that that symbolize like being hugwinked, hoodwinked, yep. and um, you have and, to pledge the silence and, like, oath and, and cutting your bowels open, right. you know. So if you divulge anything, they'll cut your throat and split yeah, your bowels. And, yeah, 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 it's it's kind of like uh-huh. that. Like the motions that you go through is right. kind of. You're not going to lose your bowels that. for telling us this, are you? No, <laughs> but it's so cool <laughs> Wait, because. But just none give of me an example. He of said like, that kind of, you know, uncomfortably. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. Just <laughs> give me an example of like one or two things you would lose your bowels if you mentioned. Oh, that how many uh, food processors processors they have in the <laughs> kitchen. <laughs> oh my god, you're so good. <laughs> They're processing there. <laughs> we have special uh, sausages <laughs> for the ceremony. I'd like to once again just go we around the room and everybody give a last will and testament. We don't gain any more members. No. <laughs> uh, okay, go. I'm you sorry, go, what did you Tim? say, Tim? Oh, I, I said I was making a joke that we should go around the room once again and give our last will and oh, testament yeah. because you're going to get your bowels taken for mentioning the food processors. And Brent suggested that I go. Yeah, yeah, we were just witnesses, so we got to go. You know, like Karen Silkwood. I was, I was just going to say, um, I have, I have these old atlases that I've that I've uncovered that they have all rail, like most of the, of the lines that they have. There's mm-hmm. not very many you know, actual roads, they got, you know, a lot of roads in them, but there's also a lot of rail, railways, mm-hmm. you know, that aren't exi- in existent anymore. That would anymore. be neat. And so it sounds like that, that would be cool to look at if that's how they distributed the money. Sure. You know? That would be neat to look at, you bet. And, you know, having this list of where the 13 livery stables are, they weren't on the normal routes. They were private spurs and offshoots from the rail, you know, that, that you know, hook these places together. Yeah. So they might not even be on there, but I know we could take a look at it. Yeah, I love all that old historical data. It's a great, you know, detective work investigating this stuff. It's just a ball. Mm-hmm. And the, the hours I've spent in archives, you know, like in Missouri and Kansas, Oklahoma and Colorado, all over the country, Texas as well, you know, they get to know these archivists and they'll take you back and show you, oh, well, we got this special little collection back here. You have to wear white gloves to handle. And, you know, this, the things that you uncover. We were talking about conspiracy theories, and one of the ones I ran across is that uh, Abe Lincoln and Jefferson Davis, the president of the South, were actually twin brothers. And when you hold their photos next to each other, it's like a mirror, right down to the weird little freaky beard he wore on his chin. (laughs) And um, so the expression back then was it was brother against brother. You know, we all take that as a generality of Americans, but Mm -hmm. it actually may have been. And then you go a step further say, well, who was their father? It's alleged that Andrew Jackson was their father, that he had an affair with this Indian chief's daughter, and she bore these twin sons. And so Jackson had them put into the Indian school program. I don't know if you've heard about that. Mm-mm. And they were indoctrinated as white kids. At one point in history, not only we exterminate the Indians and kill off millions and millions of them, so it shows you what a lovely fascist government we've had all along, but that they took the kids from these survivors and forced them to go into the Indian school program to make them white. And so 
you know, they were separated from their families. They weren't allowed to participate in Indian religious or, you know, ceremonies or anything like that. They were raised totally white. And this is allegedly where Abe and Jeff Davis, you know, were raised. So I asked the archivist at one of these nationally known uh, historical centers, you know, what he thought of the theory. And he says, well, that's actually provable, but you wouldn't survive putting the story out. Hmm. So you have an exclusive hero. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Awesome. Exclusives. Uh, you want to go ahead and record a last will and testament? <laughs> oh, how cool. If this were television, we'd be showing you this great map of Kansas right now with these old railway lines and stuff. Yeah, just hold the, hold the microphone up to here? the book. Yeah, hold it closer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when did they put this out? Uh, uh, Brand- hey, that's yeah. about I don't right. think we've said anything that could get us killed. Do you want right. to say some things that could get us uh, killed? Just hearing it gets you offed. Um, <laughs> I think that the Crips are weenies. <laughs> oh no! Now you're in trouble. <laughs> of course, the Bloods will probably give you sanctuary. Though. I'm just kidding, Crips. If you, this is Tim, I'm taking you to the side, Crips. I really didn't mean that. We're friends. We're homies. Now you gotta watch out for the Bloods, dude. God damn it! Okay, I'm Bloods. I'm taking you to the side now. Bloods. We're friends. Ignore what I said earlier about the Crips. So, uh, Brent, do you want to see some stuff that can get you killed? <laughs> I don't know if I have anything. Oh. Uh, I was actually sent here from another planet to uh, observe different humans, oh. things, you know. And So you're um, from Krypton just like Obama. Yeah. <laughs> the way you look right now, I totally believe that. <laughs> <laughs> he looks kind of face shifted. I, yeah, yeah I know, I'm probably going to drop dead here in the next Dude, you know, you're so five minutes because they have, I mean, I'm all, I'm all wired up. That's I, cool. I'm like, well, it's good to know to you. Link to satellite and everything. Jared, so. uh, I love you. <laughs> I don't like aliens. Take, Take us with you. Take us with you. Okay, that was the end of part one of the Ron Pass Story interview. Please visit our website for part two, which will be up yesterday. That makes no sense. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>